Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 41, and we've now entered the witching hour. Welcome, 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 big Chileans. Eddie, I'm sorry I have to do this, and I know it's going to hurt you a little bit deep inside, but how about them Giants on an absolute tear? You're right, it did hurt New me quite York a lot. New York football Giants. Yeah, yeah, I didn't hear that enough. You're right, it did hurt me a lot, but in a, in a weekend when everyone probably rode their luck a little bit... Uh, I guess you can't complain too much. And I will say in a way they were at least deserving winners pretty much. Like, I mean, the Seahawks blew some opportunities to score more points and they kind of allowed the giants to hang in that game, but fundamentally you didn't walk away from it feeling like, how did the giants win this? Their defense was good enough over the course of the game. I mean, Colt McCoy had to do very little, but he did just enough to help them win. I mean, the Seahawks must be kicking themselves, but yeah, it hurts. Yeah. I mean, they've won four in a row, five out of their last seven and their two losses were by a point and two points. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're exceeding any lowest level of expectations I even had of them. But what I kind of want to ask you is you've been saying for the past few weeks that what you're excited about is that whoever makes it from the NFL East, the NFC East is an instant easy bet for you betting against them. Does this kind of make you nervous that a team like the giants can go out and shut down a team who has this prolific offense? We know that their defense isn't great, but a team that's usually putting up 25, 30 points a game and to shut them down to 12, does that make you a little nervous in the confidence level of your round one playoff bet against the NFC East? No, this makes me even more confident because all this is doing is like shortening the line in the eventual round one playoff game. So I like the fact that we might be going into it and people are talking themselves into the Giants being, especially imagine this uh, kind of storyline, which is the Giants have snuck into the playoffs. An unbeaten team is in their way. (laughs) Is this going to be another giants scrape it to the super bowl and win it like you know that that story is going to be written if that's the scenario so no i think i still think i would be very confident about almost any matchup when it comes to the playoffs with them that being said their defense is is legitimately i think their defense is a legitimate playoff defense no other part of their game is but their defense is a legitimate playoff defense i mean that's what's great right it's a mccoy only needs to throw like 105 for them to shut the Seahawks down to 12. And I think looking at the previous games, granted it was like the Bengals, what was it, Allen played for the Bengals? It wasn't Burrow. And then there was Wentz and then it was Alex Smith, but it still kept them all low. Like they still scored, but they kept them to low points. Um, Like low yardage, forced three interceptions out of Alex Smith. Like they are legitimately looking much better. And if anything, the NFC East at least has some sort of momentum with the team rather than just looking like a quagmire of like which worst one rises to the top at least there's a team with like momentum in it at the moment that might carry something through yes and, competency. yes and no i mean this is their first legitimate win right all the other teams they're put, they've beaten have been in the bottom half of the nfl bracket that being said they've only really been blown out once which was by the niners 
So fundamentally, the Giants have been competitive in most games. Like they haven't had many legitimate performances before yesterday, but they have with the Niners was the only time where they were absolutely just played off the field. But actually, speaking of Colt McCoy there, Sam, I've got an interesting little quiz for us to start off this. Do you know when Colt McCoy, just one opening question and then we'll kick right in. Do you know when Colt McCoy last won a game as a starter? So I do. I think so going on, I think the didn't he have like seven starts in nine years? So I'm gonna say it was one of the early ones. Yeah, I believe it was 2014, right? I, I was it gonna was. go 2013, damn. It was October 27th, 2014, in a Monday in Monday night football game against the Dallas Cowboys when he was Who was he playing, playing for then? The Browns? Washington. Oh, Washington. Yeah, he was 25 for 30 for 299 yards with a rushing TD in a 20 to 17 victory compared with his 105 yards, one TD and, a, and an interception <laughs> yesterday. Not this one will feel far sweeter. This one will feel far sweeter. Though, Probably. Sure. And that got me thinking, the world has changed a lot since 2014. <laughs> and so I thought... Has it in six years? I mean, Is yes. this what we're going to find out? <laughs> is this so what I this quiz is going to tell us? I thought we'd say, how well do we remember 2014 in a game I'm calling... Does Colt McCoy want to be a millionaire? Do the music. <laughs> How enjoyable is this, huh? Production value is going through the roof right now. Yeah, just so everyone really, really enjoys it. And so we definitely get pulled for uh, copyright infringement. So question number one, who wants to start? Wait, 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 wait. I need to orient myself as to where I actually was in 2014, because otherwise I'm really screwed. Let me oh, first think what I was it, doing in okay, my so life. It was a it was a World Cup year. St- Fra- Sam, you maybe don't want to give things away, right? Before. <laughs> okay. There's a possibility right. that might come up. 2014, Frank, I believe you were living in Toronto. I was in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. We get lifelines. No lifelines. Oh. So uh, we'll go with um, question number one. Who wants to start us off here? You're going to get three questions each, let's say. Sure. Let me go for it. Sam, which country was the world's most valuable company? Sorry, which company was the world's most valuable in 2014? China. Which company? Which company? <laughs> was it Alibaba? Was it Alibaba? No, it wasn't. Is it, it Apple? The, the correct answer was indeed Apple. Yeah, it's so obvious. I almost didn't want to go for it. All right. Frank, you're up. Who scored the winning goal in the 2014 FIFA World Cup final? I don't know. Sam, do you have any idea? Can you steal it? I can't. I mean, I'll just say like Ozil. (laughs) You got the right country at least, but it was Mario Gozzo. Yeah, disappointing, eh? And then the Beatles celebrated the 50th anniversary of their first number one hit in America. What was it? 
Aren't you supposed to start easy and then work your way up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with Yellow Submarine. Go with the Mess Wings. Oh, no, come on. That was a later song. It was I Want to Hold Your Hand. My knowledge of the Beatles and their discography is limited to poor. All right, I'm, I'm going to switch to multiple choice here to help you guys out with a final, final couple <laughs> ones and see if we can save it here. The 2014 Ryder Cup was played where? Royal and Ancient, Glen Eagles, or Muirfield? How many have there been since? Is it every two years, every four years? Every two years. Wasn't oh, it? shit. Uh, for some reason, I want to say it was a famous one in terms of like how many years it's been since like it was like an anniversary so i want to say it was at st andrews i'm gonna say glen eagles <laughs> st andrews wasn't even i don't remember <laughs> i gave you three options and you went completely I was, off. all right i'm gonna go glen eagles <laughs> right, only because gets- glen eagles was racing and i remember us talking about glen eagles golfing when glen eagles was racing Wait, so it was Glen Eagles. It was Glen Eagles. And what was the other no, one? No, it's yes. too late. Sam, what was the other Sam. one you said, though? Uh, Royal and Ancient. Ah, the r That's how bad my memory is. I can only relate it back to other things that I enjoyed. What, you think one of my, my memory of remembering questions? <laughs> right, you're, you're tied at one apiece here. So this is the crucial deciding round. If not, I've got a tie- if not, I've got a tiebreaker question for you. Uh, Sam, which country won the Tennis Davis Cup title for the first time in 2014? I'll give you the multiple choice options of Switzerland, France, or Austria. I'm going to go Austria. I'm going to go France. Incorrect. It was Switzerland. <laughs> well done, <guys. laughs> Holy shit. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense because of uh, Federer, right? Uh, Federer and... Uh, yeah, but why, why would that make sense for the first time? And Vavrinka. V- because that's all um, they have, though. Yeah, but for like 10 years beforehand, like it was a long time. But anyway, that's why I ruled out Switzerland. All right, we've got a final one for you then uh, by for Frank here. A scientific question for you. Which country's entire DNA database was collected by a private company for genetic research? Ireland, Sweden, or Iceland? I go... Iceland. It was Ireland. Ah, uh, really? And yeah. And so, as a huh. final tiebreaker, I think Frank technically has won. But as a final <laughs> tiebreaker, anyway, we'll say winner takes it all. Closest to this, when Colt Five. McCoy, when Colt <laughs> McCoy wins. Oh, it's not fastest. <laughs> Do you want to lock in five as your answer? What? Yes, I don't know what mil- it is. What who wants to be five. a millionaire variation is this shit show? <laughs> so, if Colt McCoy earned a million dollars this year, how much would it be worth in 2014 dollars? That almost sounded like you said 2014 dollars. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... So Frank has said five dollars. So he's... <laughs> so I just need to do something to adjust slightly for inflation, I guess. So maybe like I mean, look, six would technically win it for you here, Sam. But you can make an. <laughs> you can make an I'm gonna guess case. like one million and oh, one million fifty thousand. Oh, so he's got up a tiny think, bit. You think we suffered from deflation? He went over, so he loses in the past six years. 
A million dollars in 2020 is $906,897.20 in 2014. Is this Price is Right rules? He went over. Uh, this is well, Price is Right over. rules. Nobody's won. <laughs> <laughs> Price is Right, you can go under, but not a not a dollar not over. A so over. by going, yeah, so. Um, but yeah, no one was a winner out of that one. Turns out no one knows 2014 very well. And 2020 is a better year, it seems. At least for Colt McCoy. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess he didn't get a start again, a win again after the end of October. So, Wait, it's going. He might get another. I mean, there's no way he keeps the job, right? No. I mean, he didn't play that great. <laughs> was it he, was Jones, as if they won because of him. Do you think they would have won with Daniel Jones? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Daniel Jones hasn't had many turnovers these last four or five games. Relatively speaking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing with McCoy, right, is he did nothing wrong because he didn't do anything. He threw an interception. Everyone's, everyone's, everyone said as if he did, like, nothing wrong, but he did throw an interception. It wasn't this, like, perfect performance that it is being reported in some places as if, like, game manager Colt McCoy came in, was faultless, and helped the – it's like one, t- one touchdown, one interception, 105 yards is not exactly – like helping your team to victory that much. Well, Sam made the point that the Giants won and he only had 105 yards passing. How about the fact that the Patriots won 45 to nothing and Cam Newton had 69 yards passing? I mean, the statistics in that game are so insane for a game that ended 45 nothing. Cam Newton had 69 yards passing. The leading rusher had 80 yards rushing. And the leading receiver had 38 yards receiving. Yeah, I mean, they were really helped by special teams, right? They had two big punt returns. They had a a blocked field goal for a touchdown. I mean, their field goal, I mean, their their punt returner had more yards than the Chargers, I believe. Probably. really, Gunner. Yeah, because he had two, he had a 70-yard return, and then I think he had a 50-yard return. I think he had more yards than the Chargers. Well, the Chargers had had like 250, so. Did he? Did they? Yeah, and he had more points than they did. Put it that way. It was remarkably That's similar when points. you look at the stats. I think the only kind of blowout stat there was is the Patriots rushing yards against the Chargers. Like the rest of it looked kind of on par with each other. It was a crazy score when you saw it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, look, it was a crazy. It was, you know, I think watching watching the red zone yesterday. It's just spellbound which, you know, is great for one of the most exciting witching hours of all time on the 200th episode of Red yep. Zone ever. I mean, what? We celebrated our 40th episode on, uh, on <laughs> Thursday. They had their 200th episode on Sunday. I mean, we're just joined at the hip. That was the best witching hour of 2020 so far. That might be the best witching hour of all time. Legitimately, I don't want. I don't. I don't want, know like, if it's all time. In the early games, six of the seven games were decided in the final like three minutes. That's true because I'm even. I guess even if you go back and look at the Titans Browns, even that was technically a they one had, score they had game. an onside kick. Yeah. Yep. So, so like, and the Saints get rid of that. Five, five of the seven were legitimately determined in the final couple minutes. Then even yep. in the later games. The Seahawks were driving down the field with a chance to win it. Okay, the the other games 
weren't really close in the end, but you know, it was as good as the, that early game. You, those final like 10 minutes of red zone was just action packed. Yeah. I think it's worth kind of just going through those games just a little bit, just to get some tidbits out because they were pretty interesting, you know, ending at the, at the final plays and stuff like that. Should we, so, should we start with the, should we start with the Browns uh, who Frank exposed as being a legitimate playoff team this weekend? I exposed them. They are pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'll say, so I have two takes on that. So first off, I was heavily invested in the Titans. They were basically in all of my bets. So can I, I hold on. can I guess what your second take is going to be? Is your second take going to be that if the game had started differently, the Titans were the better team and that was proven over the like second half of that game? No, I don't think so. No. So I'll, I'll jump to take two first. My take two was it is sometimes so frustrating to watch games that you know you're not going to win. But in the back of your mind, there's still that slight hope and especially in the NFL, there always seems to be a little momentum towards your hope and it keeps you engaged enough to have to sit and watch an entire game where your team was losing 38 to three. I watched every snap of that game. It was actually the only one on, on national broadcast anyway. So I was kind of forced to watch that and watch red zone on the side. But I mean, they were down 38 to three, came down, scored a quick touchdown, scored again, another touchdown, and then had the Browns on their own 20, third and 13. And in your mind, you're thinking if they can get a stop, the Browns defense has done nothing right now. They could score and it could be, you know, 38, 28, halfway through the third quarter. I mean, it was, it was going on pace to be really close. They don't. They get the ball back again, throw an interception in the red zone. Like they drive down, they give you some hope, throw an interception, and then end up getting it close again at the end, had the onside kick. So that was really annoying and that's frustrating. I I don't think the Browns lose that game if it starts differently. I do think it's a little worrying that they couldn't at least put a little more effort in towards the end there. I mean, they only scored three points that entire half. Don't don't you think they were just, they were checked out? Yeah, like Baker. Mayfield yeah, but don't you think in, at a point when when you're down, what were they? They were up thirteen, I think, at a point. Don't you think they could have said, "Okay, let's just put one drive together and end this. Let's maybe, bring it back up to." It's it's pretty maybe, tough but, to like restart momentum, yeah. but like, let's be honest though. Like Mayfield's performance in the first half was arguably one of the best QB yeah. performances probably at a season, let alone maybe for a Browns quarterback in a long, long time. Oh, definitely for a Browns quarterback in a long, long time. You can kind of afford a pedestrian-like second half, right? Okay, yes, it was closer, but the real reality is that game was all over. Yeah, no, I, I, I just, in general, I don't like it when people look at that and then they, the reaction is like, oh, look, it was a close game in the end. It was like, no, I think if the, a little bit like we spoke about with the Chiefs against the Buccaneers a week before, I didn't get the same feeling right that the 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 Browns were kind of toying with the Titans in the way that the Chiefs might have been with the Buccaneers because they don't have that offensive fire firepower and they haven't proven themselves on the highest level in the way the Chiefs have. But I still think you have that element there in the back of their minds where they're like, this is always a two score game. And if we really, really need to, okay, we'll, we'll chew clock in the very least because they're, they're built to do that. Right. So that's probably the thing they're really thinking about is like, you've got to score twice against us without us scoring and we're going to get the ball back and eat up six minutes easily. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I watched the whole game and I didn't feel it was very close. The betting 
hope side of me wanted to believe it was close, but I think it was flattered by that score. The other thing, so going back to number one, if that's how they can play offensively week in and week out, then they definitely are a strong contender. That was by far the best performance I've seen them have all season. And the thing that amazes me is watching that game. One thing Baker Mayfield is so good at that's such a little part of the game, but made such a big difference. And just the way you could tell with how the defense reacted is his play actions because they're such a good running team. He had that deep bomb. He has to people's Jones, like the 70 yard pass that play action on that play was so good. Everyone was fooled. Every person jumped up and bid on that run. And then people's Jones was just gone. And the safety wasn't there in time to cover up on the back end. Like even when he hands the ball off his, like non-play action of dropping back like he's going to pass. Even that was fooling people. I mean, that was part of the game. I guess when you have such a good running game to have such a good play action off that running game could make all the difference. If they can click like they did on their play action passes, they've got a good shot if they can keep the run game up. Well, they're going to keep the run game up, right? Like, that's I, I mean, they're going to keep yeah. running, but if no, I mean, if no team can stop it. I don't think any team can stop it. The question is they do need a passing game to work in in conjunction with it so that it's not just a run game. Because when it's just a run game, we've seen what that looks like. That's been all their recent wins, which is they'll win 13 to 6. Or, you know, like that's what it looks like when it's just their run game. The difference maker here was that Baker Mayfield played a really great game. And, uh, and so if, if that continues, the one thing I have to give him credit for is I know he's kind of much maligned in some respects for – having maybe undeserved swagger at times. I feel like he'd be a great court. Like, I feel like you'd love playing with him. And there was one moment when Chubb went on like a 60 yard run and Baker Mayfield was running directly behind Chubb the entire length of the field, not really blocking anyone. Cause there was, I mean, he was behind Chubb. So there was no, no he was doing block. like the Barkley, the Saquon Barkley, when he just flails his arms in the air, yes. and was like running up. <laughs> but I gave him credit for that because to me that shows like his overall personality and also his kind of dedication to the team. Like I think what the Browns have going for them in Mayfield, which you would have feared based on his personality coming into the league and, and on the back two of previous Browns quarterbacks, um, but that he actually doesn't have a lot of ego. Even when you're, every single co- commercial has a Baker Mayfield appearance in it, like every commercial break, but he actually kind of plays the game just for the benefit of the team. And so I think that will help them too. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the huge difference between him and Johnny Manziel is they both had big personalities, but Man, Manziel was just so, so much egotistic. You know, he was very it's egotistical like, in there. I watched a, I watched a podcast, like a recording of a podcast that Johnny Manziel appeared on a few weeks ago and his groundbreaking innovation he'd come up with is that now when he drinks beers, he rotates the tab at the top of the beer to the side and then he crushes the can slightly and he drinks out of the side of the can so that that way he knows which beer is his at all times. And so that way, <laughs> that way at the end of a party, he can go around and count how many beers he's had because he can see exactly which ones were his. That wow. is the, that is what, what a, what a life he must have like how far has he dropped that he's still now going to parties where he's drinking canned beer and leaving it 
around the party. That's the type of parties he's still going to. <laughs> yeah, he's going to college parties still. And yeah. more to the point, he cares about how many beers he's had. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like a bravado I like, thing. Like, that's so I strange. Like drinking, I like drinking beer. I like drinking a lot of beer at times. I'm like confident in the fact that I can drink quite a lot of beer, but I never get to the evening. You, you might sometimes get to the end and be like, wow, I did actually drink quite a lot there and I didn't realize it or something like that. But I never go like, guys, 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 look at this. I had had, I had 43 cans of beer over the course of this night. Like, isn't this amazing? It's like, yeah, Johnny, you also played in the NFL for a while and you won the Heisman trophy. <laughs> but now here, there's some other talking points from yesterday that I'm sure we're going to get onto, but there's one that I know is going to get Frank a little bit riled up, which is I have been, yeah, the chiefs. I have been, uh, I've had a soft spot for the chiefs ever since Andy Reid went there. I like the way they play. I like the fact that they're innovative and aggressive and explosive. I like the players that they draft. I think they do a great job of just adding weapons. However, I think the Chiefs are quickly shifting from likable to dislikable and quickly into the fork category. I think they are now approaching the green, the uh, Golden State Warriors of the NFL in multiple no way. ways. Dominant play, oh, absolutely but not. also just arrogant assholes. Could I just add no. something to this? Could I just add something to this? Because obviously the Broncos game was pretty telling for the fact that they well how many field goals was it five so you look at their red zone touchdown conversion rate and this is actually a genuine point for them winning the super bowl right they're tied 24th for red zone touchdown conversion right over the last three games they're tied joint last with dallas at 33 percent you look at the games they've had, the hardest ones they've had are the Bills, Ravens, Raiders twice, and the Bucks. There are legitimately times, I'd say, in about three or four of their wins where they were losing till quite late on. And you, so it got me thinking, right? The later they get on and the better the teams they face, let's say the inevitable match with the Steelers, that touchdown conversion rate will kill them, right? I just, they are becoming a really frustrating team, a good one but a really frustrating one when you look at stats like that. And it does make you kind of half start doubting what I don't doubt them doing red zone wise, but I don't doubt them. I think they're heavy Super Bowl favorites. I mean, not heavy and like they're as far as Super Bowl favorites at this time of the year are going to be like, I expect them to make the Super Bowl. I expect them to be the favorite when they're in the Super Bowl. Um, I think there are teams that can beat them on in both the AFC and the NFC. So it's not a like, a complete lock, but they're clearly the favorites. And I'd say they're clearly the best team in the league, but it's just their overall attitude, their cockiness that, that is starting to bother me. Tyreek Hill is a really likable guy. The backflips into the end zone to me are crossing a line into, I'm fine with him throwing up the deuces when he's breaking free. I think that's like fine as a celebration as you, as you tear away from a, from a, you know, some defensive players. But pausing and back back flipping into the end zone is such a douchey move that I just can't stand it. I can't be on I can't be on board with it. I don't find it charming. I don't find it endearing. I don't like look at these guys having fun. I think it's always the amazing thing to me about American sports in a way is like in in English sports, 
we don't mind running up a score. The concept of running up a score is kind of alien. You play full speed against your opposition and you beat them into the ground if that's the way it's going to go. But you don't showboat. And the showboating of backflipping into an end zone is just, I, I hope one of two things happens to him. Either he does it in the Super Bowl in a key play, which of course he wouldn't do, and fumbles. I would, I would get no, like, I would love it so much. Or someone just comes in and absolutely wrecks him mid backflip and it ends his season. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot to take in there. So I do think the backflip was a little unnecessary. I don't have a problem with him like doing the deuces and stuff like that. The really, really sh- make the part that makes him look even shittier was the fact that it was called back on a holding penalty. So it didn't even count. That's that makes him look like a real asshole. The fact of like showboating is something I think we could spend an entire podcast on because part of sports is entertainment. So if you want to get the most entertainment and you want to have the most shock value and you want to have the most to talk about and discuss on things like a podcast, then people should be all for those types of things. I mean, there are guys that are getting paid millions of dollars to go out there and entertain you. Now, you can't tell me it wasn't more entertaining because we're talking about it right now. So the, the, the fact of like showboating and this, I can also lump in things like steroids into this category. A lot of people argue, oh, baseball players shouldn't be taking steroids. It's taking away from the history of the game. And there's all this tradition in the game. But at the end of the day, if you want to sit down and watch people smash balls over the fence, then steroids are helping do that who gives a shit i don't care about the tradition well, and the integrity we have I'm, to have a whole you, i can argue we, both ways but, where but are we you know what i'm saying like i'm where well, frank i'm genuinely confused at how frank, we've got to steroids you're, you're donald trumping us here you're like you've you've briefly touched on the topic and now you're going to take us way off on a different <laughs> tangent and we're not even we're not going to finish our that's why i said we'll song. save it for another podcast we'll save yeah. it for another Steroids different. The effect of home, the effect of home run hitting in baseball, a whole different argument. Let's keep to the, <laughs> yeah, let's it, keep to the, okay. Let's so keep go to back. The, are the, are the chiefs arrogant assholes? That's the question in at hand. No, I don't think so. I mean, let's put this in perspective. Tyreek Hill did a backflip on the play that you were talking about with Baker Mayfield. He ran 66 yards down the field, wailing his arms like a little child. Then When they celebrated it, they did a walk down the runway and he ran into the end zone, double somersaulted, and then popped up and started acting like a cameraman. See, here's the thing is, I'm fine. And again, more European approach to it. I don't care about the celebration. You've scored. but you're fine as he's as he's running down, running past defenders. The let's yeah, say people really Jones. Bother. It doesn't bother you that the quarterback yeah. is also next think, to you, wailing think, his arms, screaming. I think the problem. I is, mean, that's pretty disrespectful in the sixth sense. No, that's, that's celebrating. Goading. That's like, like that's genuine goading. celebration. But that's goading as well, right? It's it but is goading. Is, it's the action. It's the arrogant action of the touchdown. I'm guessing is the point here. Like if a footballer stopped on the line and backheeled it or got on the floor and headed it, I've, that I, would which, be Sam, an arrogant I've, thing. I've played in a match where someone went past a keeper and got down onto the ground to head the ball like, into the net. And his argument was he hadn't scored a header all season. So he was trying a, to prove a point. A, he, I'll be honest is, with you. I wanted him to get back on his hands and knees and I was going to kick his head right off. Like there's, there's <laughs> oh, is that no, what you want him on his hands and knees for? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, after I fucked him. (laughs) (laughs) But to me, 
and again, I've got no problem. If the Chiefs wanted to score 100 points, I'm fine with it. Go and do it. Score every possession. Throw 80-yard bombs when you're up 55 to 2. I don't care. Weird score because to give up the one safety, but, but <laughs> <laughs> to score 35 points, but they get a safety on top of yeah. it. Well, because they're just throwing bombs, even on their own one yard line. But <laughs> the, the no, I agree. It was a little over the line and it was unnecessary. Two, and also, here's the thing, right? It's two weeks. Did before. it last week? Yeah. It's not even like, hey, broke out this new move. So, is he going to do this every time now? Yeah. I mean, the more egregious part of that, I don't think even is the backflip was that he stopped, waited for a good three seconds, just yeah. staring at the defenders, and then did the backflip. Like, yeah. even if, you know, when people sometimes when they're running in the end zone and they, like, jump in and do the somersault, I'm okay with it, like, whatever. But to stop and stare for a good amount of time and then do the backflip, it was definitely over the line. I'll draw the distinction. Marshawn Lynch with the leaping in, the, like, hold my dick moment didn't bother Amazing. Me. That doesn't bother me to me. To me, that doesn't bother me. If he wants to flip into the end zone, fine. And I have more respect for it. If it's like a Marshall Lynch moment where you actually have players around you. So it's kind of like an athletic move in the moment that you're doing it. But if you're just going to pause and backflip, it's like, just get into the end zone and then do as many flips and somersaults as you want. Go. Yeah. It's a reference. You won't get Frank, but go, go Obafemi Martins on it and flip your way down the field. And I won't, I won't have an issue with it, but like show off your athleticism. When, when, when footballers celebrate with flips, I think it's cool. I personally, if I were a manager, I'd tell them not to because every once in a while you injure yourself doing it and you don't look dumber than when you ruin your season with your stupid backflip. But and that, for example, right, that was Alex Ferguson's Nani yards used to celebrate with the backflip. And Ferguson tried to ban him from doing it on the argument that sooner or later you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to cost the team with your stupid celebration. Players have done it before where they've gone to slide in the grass and they've just planted their knee in and they've kind of moved their knee, messed up their knee. Yeah. But um, to be fair, there's actually like rugby had the same problem, didn't it, with Chris Ashton when he used to do the swan dive over the line because okay, it does look, it's showboating, it's arrogant, but it did call into question because it was like, you are potentially preventing a try because if you drop the ball or you don't place the ball, you lose possession. So let's just say Hill does a backflip somehow, I don't know, through some idiocy, just lands on the one yard line or inches and plants himself or something. I don't know how. And then they don't score. Yeah, the risk, the risk in football, right, because he just has to break the plane, is far, far less. Of course. Like, he's fundamentally standing. He's almost scored the touchdown when he starts it, and basically the, the start of the leap. Unless he literally, like, as he jumped backwards, the ball went flying back into the field of play. Like, that's the yeah. only way. But I mean, it, like, think about all the times it's happened where people are running into the end zone to celebrate and drop the ball before they cross the line. Like, it happens. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson did it like three times in his career. <laughs> I say that he's still playing, but... Yeah, he's done. He's finished. <laughs> so the other topic on that Chiefs game is, I don't know if you guys watched the game, but in the end of the first half, there was the deep bomb to Tyree Kill where he jumped up, had it, and it got knocked out of his hands, and then they called it, it, it then bounced, and bounced back into his chest as he was on the ground and they called it an incomplete pass. And even he didn't argue or anything. You then later go on when they show the replay 
to see that it was in his hands, came out of his hands, and then bounced off of his leg and then right into his chest. So it was technically a good catch and a touchdown. And now I don't have an issue with him, obviously. Actually, I appreciate the fact that he didn't run to the coach and be like, throw the flag, I caught it, I caught it, because so many receivers do that when they don't actually catch it. And it's so annoying. It's like, listen, you didn't catch it, just whatever. You, you fucked up. You didn't catch it. Don't try and pretend like you did. What really pisses me off is they have people in the booth who they pay specifically to just watch every play and instantly watch the replay and run it back to make sure that it was what it was. The call is what it was. How do you miss something like that? How do you have people on payroll who or their only job is to watch this and they miss it? You're missing for someone a key point here for anyone who didn't watch it is the next play was a that was their third down. They punted. So I can get that you miss it in an, in an instant where they snap the ball quickly to try and run another play. And yeah. you basically didn't have enough time to see, because you don't want to be the guy in the booth who goes challenge it and like, oh, wait, no, I just saw another replay. Don't challenge it. But the fact that they punted, which meant that you did have a solid 35 seconds to see two replays and to be pretty confident that he caught it. That to me is the the reason why it is pretty bad. I mean, if whoever that guy is, is certainly probably in a little bit of trouble today. I would say it's guys. I bet you there's more than one person doing this in the NFL probably. for each team. Yeah, probably. I thought that was pretty bad. Or girls, we should say. Or girls. Sorry. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> but probably uh, guys. Or or people who don't identify as uh pronouns that we're currently using <laughs> are we are we going down that rabbit hole yes <laughs> yes the, the, um, but uh no look i agree with you in that respect so i guess going from one deep bomb to another deep bomb to end a game have to touch on the jets raiders just unfathomable what the jets did and you in fact they, they, wait unfathomable that the jets nearly won or that but they yeah, managed to lose. I, you know, I, I, I don't even know. <laughs> Explain it, right? Because I watched the I watched the play, and obviously they were looking at the blitzing. But what happened exactly that was the shocking so moment ba- of it kind of thing? Well, I mean, Frank and I probably disagree slightly. Frank's going to be really critical of the corner who just let Ruggs blow by him. Ruggs is one of the fastest players in the NFL, so fundamentally if he wants to blow by you i don't know if there's a lot you can do there's not many corners in the league who are going to keep up with him i think it's one of those where you just have to say like great throw by Carr, kind of an unbelievable play like more credit goes to the offense than criticism should go to the defense that being said i'm not going to blame the individual corner but they i don't understand why you wouldn't have deep help given the situation so the fact that you basically had rugs one-on-one on the outside when on the previous play, they'd clearly shown that they were going to go for a deep ball and that they weren't going to try and get a 10-yard, kind of get out of bounds 10 yards and then kind of chip away until they, they throw a Hail Mary or what wouldn't have at that point been a Hail Mary. The lack of deep help is the only thing that I would raise didn't, a question mark when it comes to the Jets on that play. Didn't Carr say that? Didn't, wasn't he like, I was surprised they were blitzing, but I was really happy they were blitzing kind of thing. It was almost yeah. weird He's, that they were he doing said he what couldn't they were believe, doing. He couldn't believe they all had blitz, but he was really, really thankful they did. <laughs> but but he actually, they actually blitzed well, and he actually did quite well to go forward in the, 
But hundred percent, it wasn't a bad blitz. Now here's yeah, the thing: it was actually a pretty good have, blitz. He had to they come could have blitzed. They? they could have blitzed with slightly fewer guys and had uh, two <laughs> safeties, two deep safeties on either either side, so that you had some cover. Like there wasn't the need to just stack the box and all out blitz. That I, mean, I don't know how issue. you call it a good blitz though when they did the one thing that they, <laughs> they just did didn't pushed. have to do let up no, which was a touchdown. He got good... that throw away really quickly. He got that throw away quickly. But you know how he got the throw away quickly because he had single man coverage on one of no, the man. fastest receivers in the NFL. <laughs> Look, we're in agreement, but but I but I mean, let's be I mean, no, so here Here's if all you're a Jets fan, is, if you're if you're a Jets fan, are you disappointed? This is perfect. No, this is. I was just about to say that this is perfect for the Jets, right? They're competitive against a competent side, a, an ailing side. The last two games for the Raiders have been pretty bad, but this is good for them. It shows that they've got fight. It shows they've got a bit of spirit in them, and they're still on course with the loss to pick up Lawrence for all probables. So actually, this is the best case scenario, in my opinion, for a Jets. Fan, for a fan team for a fan probably team i don't know well. if, if you're suck, if, but... come on if you're a player that's gotta hurt i don't care if you want lawrence or not like as a player if you get your ass beat week in and week out and you're finally up a game and are finally staring down the tunnel of an actual win against a pretty quality opponent and you lose like that with five seconds left that's gotta just whatever effort they had left what little effort was left i can't imagine there's anything in the tank after that well yes and no so i think if you're a jets player you want to win a game at some point i don't think you want to go zero and 16 but i don't know if you wanted to necessarily win a game this early and run the risk that you win two it's early (laughs) after 12 games (laughs) because if they think about it if you go through such a horrific what a tactic where everyone has just been making fun of you, pointing out your incompetencies, how bad you are, and then somehow you end up with the second overall pick and you don't get the game-changing quarterback. Now, admittedly, maybe there's a, you know, you've got other good picks there, so it's not going to be necessarily be the end of the world. But if you But you kind of like- got to think this was it. I mean, they have Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Patriots are their last four games. Do you week shoot seven. for the the beat the Patriots and ruin yes. their playoffs on week 17? Yes. Well, I mean, I don't know if the Patriots will necessarily have a live playoff hope in week 17. They could. They could do, it's but a, it's I, an I'd interesting be story, right? Now, here's a more likely outcome. It's the Patriots resting everyone against the Jets and the Jets just sneak their win in week 17. I don't know. But I guess a lot of fans thought that perhaps that was a planned loss, but I don't think it was because they just fired Greg Williams this morning. So yeah. <laughs> I don't think he purposely tried to do that to, to get also, the loss. <laughs> also, like, again, how are you going to plan that? You're going to run, you're going to, you can run a play and say, Hey, there's a good chance this goes wrong, but you're still requiring a pretty good throw by car and you're still requiring rugs to blow by your guy, which okay could have been expected, but you 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 were requiring the Raiders to execute pretty well on a not so easy play. So if you were like, this is how we're gonna lose, there would have been easier ways to lose that game. Eddie, there's 15 seconds left. They're on the 50 yard line with no timeouts. All anyone in the entire NFL would do 
is say, hey, guys, play the ultimate prevent. There's only 15 seconds left. They don't have any timeouts. Just play prevent. We're fine. We've got this. Yeah, but you know what? Every once in a while. It's 50 yards. It's not like they were on the 20. (laughs) Yeah, you know what happens every once in a while, though? 15 seconds. So that's three plays if you get out of bounds. If you get out of bounds, three plays. It was also third and 10. Right. So what happens, though, is you play you play deep prevent. They pick up 15 yards out of bounds. Now they're on the 35. Then next play, they pick up 5, 10 yards. Now they're Game on over. your now you're on their yeah, out of bounds. Now they're on your 20, 25 yard line. And suddenly you you're now rolling the dice on a single play from your own 20 yard line. Like it's not I think there's a prevent. I'm not a fan of prevent. I'd rather a team. I wouldn't go all out blitz the way that they did. I think that was a little bit overboard. I probably would have been like, again, I would have had a couple deep safeties. Yeah, put two deep safeties back at least. I'm fine with blitzing. I think the idea of blitzing is smart, but you blitz with like four or five guys and you have everyone else in your secondary. Like, But I do think trying to get pressure is the smartest thing because I think all too often what you see NFL teams do is they give the quarterback like 10 seconds to wander back there eventually a guy gets open or or he's got people grouped together and then he hits he hits a deep throw yeah i just you don't send the house the other thing i will say is i won't fault the corner that much because you're right rugs is a quick dude but what in what planet are you biting on a 10 yard in route with 15 seconds left to go when you have single coverage i i mean that to me almost is perhaps more coaching because as a coach, you know, you have to say like, Hey man, listen, you got single coverage. Don't bite on a 10 yard route when all they have is 15 seconds. They're going to, they're going to try and pull you in to go deep. And he bit so hard on a 10 yard in wasn't even 10 yard out. It was a 10 yard in. If he, if that's the legitimate play they ran, he catches that the game's over. They can't run up and run another play. I mean, no way. That was just, total lack of awareness of what he was doing. And that has to be part coaching as well. So just not a good play by Greg Williams and Greg Williams is having a great two, two years now, huh? (laughs) He's doing really well. (laughs) Get him on the podcast. He's probably not far off. (laughs) He's not, he might be be our fourth man. He might be our fourth man in a little bit. (laughs) But I mean, other talking points, Vikings scraped by the Jags <laughs> um, elsewhere. The Rams looked pretty good against the Cardinals. They continue to do the thing. We talk about it every week. Good one week, bad the next week. Golf was pretty good. Their defense looked good. Pretty, pretty perfect weekend for them, right? With the Seahawks losing. They now yeah. take pretty commanding. Well, not commanding, but they, they take the They're lead in, in it divisionally. Yeah. Kyler Murray looked bad not been a good four or five weeks for kyler murray that's what that's got to be said ever since the hail murray basically things have kind of gone downhill for him well and this fake he got his real shoulder injury right (laughs) yeah yeah he's he's gone to the big ben school of acting (laughs) unfortunately you need to win some super bowls so that people don't mind it as much but green bay looked looked decent carson wentz seems to be out of a job (laughs) <laughs> I mean, 
I love how he's just quickly rolling through these. <laughs> I mean, just, to, I mean, there weren't, Sam and I kind of discussed it before the podcast. It's one of those very exciting end to a lot of games, but with the exception of the Giants beating Seattle, yep. every game kind Everything of, kind of went, played out. Yeah. There like was the a way bit of a mess with the spreads, like, but fundamentally yeah. it went with the way it would go. There was just a bit of a mess when it came to like some of the spread cover, but. Yeah. No, you wouldn't have expected as many games to be as close as they were. Now, I guess we've talked on the Giants now. They remaining their four remaining games: Cardinals, Browns, Ravens, Cowboys. How many wins do you think they're going to get from that? Say four to again. five. <laughs> <laughs> if they get five, that would be amazing. Yeah, they'll be the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm going to assume. I'm going to say the Browns and the Ravens are looking like almost certain defeats for them. So it comes down to which version of the Cardinals do they get? And then can they beat the Cowboys? For I think they, they can, can beat the Cowboys. <sighs> I think they could beat the Cards. Why would the Ravens be a certain defeat? Yeah, the Ravens just, stink, Eddie. Their defense is good. That's for sure. So I think whichever version of... and. I think the thing that the Giants are going to struggle against, which is why I also think they'll definitely lose against the Browns, is in teams that are then built to beat them in tough, grinded-out type of games, they're going to lose those. So, okay, they can beat Seattle because fundamentally, like, they kind of threw Seattle off kilter a little bit. And I think Seattle played a lot of that game with total confidence, like strangely going for it on that fourth and one that kind of made no sense like if fundamentally, if Seattle had just punted there, they probably win the game. Honestly, like it's one of those where you just needlessly gave them a short field and fundamentally gave them points in a game where there weren't going to be a lot of points to come by. So it didn't make a lot of sense. I think when you play like the Browns or the Ravens, they're definitely going to be happy punting back to you. And they're going to happy, happily play a game of like, let's see which one of us flips field position here. Let's see which one of us grinds out a seven-minute drive that leads to three or seven points. So I think those ones are going to be tough for them to win with the way that they're built. Speaking of which, I just saw Lamar Jackson got reactivated as well. So they're going to have him back for the remaining games? Probably. <laughs> Who knows? They might get more COVID tests between now and then. And also, sounding another topic, I guess it kind of wraps us up for the uh, reaction to the weekend's NFL games. But uh, speaking of a of a sport that's not surviving COVID quite as well, England's tour of South Africa has a ground to a total halt as a result of several positive COVID tests for players on either side. So it's interesting to see... Uh, like I think we've almost been fooled with some of these sports into thinking from a sporting perspective, at least like the world is back to normal. Like, okay, the Premier League, the Champions League, NFL, whatever it is, like NBA, those games are going to go ahead. Nothing's in jeopardy. And then now you've seen a tour where people are all supposed to be in a bubble still. Um, positive tests come in and, and, and lead to the cancellation of the, of the matches. I mean, it's not many tests this is what surprises me about it what was it like two so it was the problem was it was consistent testing positive with a few yeah. players as opposed to like a breakout kind of so i think the one that was supposed to be played on friday it was one unnamed member of the south african squad and then the one that was supposed to be played on sunday were two unconfirmed 
uh, positive tests in the England squad. I mean, I'm confirmed. I, I guess, I guess I, I couldn't figure out, they kept saying this, I couldn't figure out either meaning unconfirmed as to who it was or unconfirmed in the sense that they hadn't run a second test to make yeah. sure that it wasn't a so, false positive. Exactly. So we did your that, COVID test. It's, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Our survey says. <laughs> but that's the thing, that, that got me thinking, right, is that cricket has... Let's, let's just say three or four in this one series, an ODI series. Um, and because of the confirmations, they can it. They've canceled it now. So it's the series is done. The NFL has doubled in, what, the last month, four weeks, what it had in the previous two months. And yet, is there any discussion about playoffs getting potentially messed up? Because... Yes, there has been, would you say there has been open discussions now about it? Because it's always felt like the NFL is just trying to be like, oh, another week, just keep the limelight off it. Another week, another week. And then you'll get to the playoff point where at least it'll only affect like a couple of teams. But I think they definitely want to get to the playoffs because I think at that point, they feel like it's much more manageable because you're dealing with fewer teams and then having, forcing everyone to take a week. Now, what I think they'll want in particular is to get to the playoffs and get through the bye week. Because what they won't want is to, for someone to feel like they lost their bye week in the playoffs. Like imagine the Steelers, if the Steelers are the, the, the team with the bye week in the AFC, and then someone, like one team has an outbreak, and they're like, okay, then we're going to, like other teams are going to get a bye week, and then they're going to play their games, and then all the Steelers, you can also play your next round game now. And so they're going to like take, I mean, it wouldn't be out of this world, right? But if that oh, happens... I love for it to be the Steelers. If that happens to the Steelers. But I think that's fundamentally they know that once they get into the playoffs, it becomes manageable. And even worst case scenario, right? They could probably do some kind of bubble scenario if they needed to. If there was like championship games and Super Bowl, they go bubble, they could probably do it. I don't know why they just don't. Just seems like the players really don't it's want two to. Weeks. Right? I mean, it's yeah, two I, weeks. You would have thought for that round at least, you know. Is it a fan thing? Home field? Or three weeks, I don't know. Home field? Is that, is that what they don't want to lose? The home field aspect of it for an AFC NFC championship game? Because there is limited crowd. Like, don't get me wrong, they're not. In some it's places. Not, it's not groundbreaking noise, but. In some places. Well, hey, in some places, the noise is just annoying. Like the Steelers, you just hear. I'm going to use the word shrieking, and I don't want people to think this is like me being sexist because it was tended to be a lot of women that you could hear during the, and I'm not saying that, but it is just random annoying noises coming from the fans that you hear. Like a play is going on, they're like, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> it's like, I don't Frank, need to hear Did you that. hear one of Eddie's classic, um, I didn't want it to be that, but. <laughs> yeah, and then and then gave his voice. <laughs> I just know yes. I just know that that can be a loaded term, right? And I'm not trying to use it in that context. So I'm just uh, well. Speak speaking of shrieking women from Pittsburgh, didn't Chris Collinsworth have his quote last week about yes. how he was surprised that so many women in Pittsburgh knew so much about football or something like that? He said you. No he, it was basically like you come to Pittsburgh, you see what a big football town it is because everyone likes football, and. Like even the even the ladies ask me questions about football, and they asked some like pretty pretty detailed football questions. It was like very condescending. Oh um, he since has had to apologize. He issued his little uh, sort of Half Apple note. PR. 
It was a legitimate. He'd clearly written to himself. It was a legitimate. Yeah, they legitimate. asked really specific questions about the game. I was just like, "Wow!" Just blown away. <laughs> and he also used the term "ladies," which is is also not the not the yeah. best way to do it. Now, I'm going to say this: I really like Chris Collinsworth, and this is, has nothing to do with that comment. I am. He needs to decide now whether or not he just wants to get on his knees and blow Patrick Mahomes, or if we can actually have normal football coverage of Chiefs game, Chiefs games. Because literally, Mahomes hands the ball off, and he, wow, Patrick Mahomes just did that better than any quarterback in history. I, it is so well, annoying. I'll, see, now I'm not a huge Collinsworth fan because one, he is so pro players. I never hear him rip into a player. And listen. You're the analyst. It's okay for you to say that guy's having a bad game. That guy really missed a block. That was a poor effort. He never, it's, if anything, it's like, oh, you know, that was probably the worst football play I've ever seen, but he tried really hard and his intent was really great. And he's a really nice guy. It's like, dude, just talk, say he had a bad play. He's the other Mr. thing Positive. that's annoying, the other thing that's really annoying about him is he loves to make these um, like, unsubstantiated claims about random things. So for instance, his he had a quote yesterday that he said, oh man, you know, the Broncos, they're doing what no one in the NFL can do. And that stopped the Chiefs in the red zone. And then the next stat is the Chiefs have now failed to score a touchdown in their last nine red zone attempts. So it's clearly not them. And then Sam, this in our own podcast, says they're 24th in the NFL in red zone. Yeah. He just makes this random claim about nothing. And he did it too. And then he said, you know, Mahomes, there's no one in the NFL that gets more people to jump off sides on a hard count than Mahomes. And it's like, no, I know of at least three or four other quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers in particular, well, who constantly got, get people. He, he even got called out on that in the booth yeah, with the comment of, I think yeah, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Rodgers called and he wants a word. Like, I, I think... He just makes shit up in his head. It's, it's, he it's pretty funny. He does, but in particular, too, just the Mahomes praise is just overboard at this point. Like, Oh, he's like that with Rodgers, though, too. Do you ever watch him do a Rodgers game? No, Frank, I'm not. <laughs> well, you should. You should watch next time. <laughs> the, but it's just it's just tiresome, and it and the, the thing to me is too it it means that when Mahomes does do something incredible, it's not appreciated to the same degree because you've just called the last seven things he's done incredible, and so it's like, oh, okay, I guess that this six yard pass where he's like he, they they went really overboard. I know it's not an easy play, but when Mahomes was running to his left. Oh, that's and a beautiful play. It's a nice play. And he just threw across uh, his body. He threw across his body. Not an easy play. A lot of people would have messed it up. But I think a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL could and would have made an identical play. I think more praise should go to the receiver. I think it was Watkins for like dropping into this, like feeling the softness of the coverage and dropping into the space to give Mahomes that possibility. To me, that's the praise. But instead, it's like, oh, wow, no other quarterback in the league could have made that play. It's like, I think I've seen like seven similar plays today. You're just a, a low-key Mahomes hater. That's a, This <laughs> podcast in general has really showed me you have a secret backdoor hatred for Patrick Mahomes. And you I'm know not. what? It makes me hate you even more. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not. I'm really not. I knew this would if be. If I have reaction. to choose between you and Patrick Mahomes, I choose Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Look, 
I'll tell you what, if you have the chance to replace me with Patrick Mahomes, choose Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. Okay. I'm, I'll be, I will understand. I, when you have to have that phone call. I'll be, I agree guys, but God, I would still, love for that to be a I, real phone. I, call I, 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 I would just make. love, I would just love for me not to know. And then I just turn up on the podcast and just Eddie's been replaced. <laughs> oh, you think, wait, you think that's, what's going to happen. You think I'm going to become friends with Patrick Mahomes and then he's just going to be the third on the podcast. Yeah, but in the well, background, you, oh, I you're don't know both. what's going on. Wait, hold on, Frank. You're going to ditch both of us if you get Patrick Mahomes. Would you do that? Yeah, I thought it was the other way it would be, as if I can no longer talk to Eddie, and then, therefore, by rule, I cannot be on the podcast anymore. No, my, I was thinking that I would get replaced. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, oh me, that would me be as well. better. I mean, Frank, would you would I wasn't. You I wasn't just us? implying, hold on. I wasn't just implying, Frank, that you would become friends with Patrick <laughs> Mahomes so you couldn't speak with me anymore. Oh, that's what I thought it was. Because in my mind, I pictured this conversation of me picking up the phone and being like, hey, Eddie, just wanted to let you know, me and Patrick are like getting really close. Like we're really good friends. He doesn't like no, no, you, really... and I'm not allowed to talk to you anymore. I'm sorry. I, to be honest with you, I could imagine a scenario in the future where you call me and you tell me that you're getting really close to someone called Patrick. It's just, it's just not going to be Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> It'd be Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> now, I guess moving on to other things you've fallen in love with in recent times. Another stellar performance from Arsenal this weekend. The Duca curse continues to, to be strong in North those London. Boots out? <laughs> yeah. Now to the point where Arteta has gone from being praised for the way he's been he dealt with Arsenal to now being rumored to be at risk of losing his job. I mean, if you cussed, if Arteta is gone by like by the end of this season, this would be an incredible impact for the Duke. Should I should I send him the shoes and ask him to sign them? Oh my god. No, because then something will happen to him like personally. Like you'll actually well, he's, like, already, he's already had COVID, right? So sorry for those of you who heard that phone. That was actually Patrick Mahomes calling me. Eddie, yeah, that, was the, sorry. That, was the pat, that was the pat phone <laughs> the pat phone the mahomey phone yeah. <laughs> it's just a giant shaped penis phone that you keep under like a, one of those bell jars <laughs> oh patrick's Wait, what? calling why is it under a bell jar <laughs> like the bat phone i know but why does this one have to be under a bell jar because then, then it's closer to the bat phone concept <laughs> You keep it under a bell jar because it's just for their one emergency use. But this one too, he you never talk. You just stick it in your mouth and then he talks through the balls into your ear. <laughs> so it's like a it's like a J shape. Yeah. It's a J shape. It's, like sno- it's like a snorkel. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh hey, Frank, you know what? That's Eddie, that is a million dollar idea right there. We make snorkels shaped like penises. I don't think that's a million dollar idea. <laughs> Why? Like, because bank, it'd be why hilarious. Is the bank to this? In fairness, I think it's a novelty snorkel idea. And if you went to like Cancun in spring break and you were selling penis snorkels, I'm sure everyone would be buying. Yep. I'm going to get this one for Brett. He's going to have to wear this one when we. Oh, it's the voice. <laughs> so we got the the pretext Eddie and then the voice Eddie. 
That's so funny. Well, we can we can add the penis snorkel to our list of of possible merch ideas. So we've got the squid hooky and the pe- the squid hoodie and the penis snorkel. <laughs> yeah. How come we do everything Sam likes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like snorkels. <laughs> you'll like you'll like this one. I mean, two minutes ago we were talking about Arsenal. I don't know what's happened. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah, but Frank. Sam, are you are you slightly afraid? No, I know what you're going to say, and the answer is no. Arsenal aren't getting relegated this season. <laughs> okay, well, all right. Can... I'll, I'll step back a little further. Are you slightly afraid that they're in the bottom five? Uh, so, if I don't think they're getting relegated, you're saying, am I am I afraid they're sixteenth or seventeenth? Yes, basically. Yes. <laughs> how specific? <laughs> how specific is your fear? Oof. Let's yeah. go serious. Okay. You, bottom half. Uh, no, that was gonna be my next one. No, I, I do think they have the quality of players. As we know, Sam has never been afraid of the bottom half. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm so afraid to keep going. <laughs> so um, no, I'm not afraid of the mean bottom half. Like I, I but that I think they're just gonna have a similar season where it's gonna be like squeezing into the Europa League. I, I, you know, maybe seventh, eighth, or something like that, or. I think they'll probably need to win a cup competition to do something about that European-esque. But here's the thing, right? There's there's actually a real... When you look at the league now, uh, you look at the top six and the traditional big six are actually there, right? It's Man U, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool and Spurs. Uh, Leicester are the sixth team in there. You kind of have to start thinking that Arsenal just aren't that sixth in the big six at the moment they are in terms of like finances in terms of like global pull but actually in terms of like playing week in week out i'm i'm just not seeing them ahead of like from a from a this year perspective or last couple of years i'm just not seeing them near leicester for me at the moment the only reason arsenal kind of have that kind of seat at the table is because of past successes and past you know sponsorship and bringing it in globally but i think they're very much getting replaced at the moment by leicester um, which is pretty to, depressing arsenal are out to 200 to one to win the league by the way okay who's who's next in that well what are they are, ranked in that eddie wolves are that's joint. a good indicator of so the wolves are also 200 to one and then there are six teams ahead of them so they're joint seventh in the betting I mean, that's the problem, right? It's the, that, the, I think the golf was Arsenal lost to Wolves last week. Uh, pretty badly, actually, well, at the Emirates. And then Liverpool go and spank them 4-0. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of golf that you're seeing there is that Arsenal, at the moment, don't look better than Leicester and Wolves. But the top four or five above them are, are well, I, I wouldn't say Man U are better than them. They are. Chelsea though. are. Chelsea United are. are clearly better than them. So Sam, here's a here's a, a big one. You were pretty high on Everton to start the season. Do you think they'll pass Everton by the end of the year? Here's the thing: I actually wasn't that hot on Everton because when we did our preview, they hadn't signed all these players. I think it was me. Uh, I was I was the bigger. I was the one saying Everton were a top top half team. That was my. Oh, was it you? Sorry. Yeah, it was yeah. my prediction for the season. But but sorry to put a snorkel them- dick in your mouth. <laughs> 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 I mean words. <laughs> I think, I think Everton have 
a capability of underperforming and I think Arsenal can only get better is probably how I look at it at the moment. I do think Arsenal have the makings of the team there. They just need to strengthen and you'll probably see mm-hmm. it again in January. I do. I, I think you saw it at the end of last season during the COVID time um, and the kind of run-in uh, kind of to the end of July, mid-August. I think they were beating big teams and what Arteta's done, the issue is goal scoring at the moment. It, it's actually not to do with defence. Arsenal have actually conceded um, some of the least in the league at the moment. The problem is, in the last 11 games, they've only scored 10. That's the problem here. I mean, is a, just, yeah. And also, let's be it's real. It's a really big problem. When you set yourself up more defensively, it will, like, some of the, sometimes the defense is, pap- like, is a reflection. The problem that's causing your good defense is, is something that's also hurting you from scoring goals. So yeah. sitting back and playing playing counterattacking football, which at times worked, and okay, they played against City at the back end of last season, and they managed to play counterattacking football and and win matches that probably they otherwise shouldn't have won, and things like that. That's great, but then the reverse of that is you try and play counterattacking football, you sit back, you create no chances, you lose one nil. Yeah, I actually think the biggest problem for Arsenal is just uh, Aubameyang isn't firing, um, and I think that's a big. They need to sort something out there. I, I don't know whether it's a. Well, you the know, thing what, is, we, we could fix this actually, Sam. If we went ahead with this uh, penis snorkel merch, you could send it to Obama Yang for his next celebration, and then he'll then he'll start banging them in. Where would you hide it? In his sock. <laughs> this oh, man is oh, well I, endowed. I, I know a place he can pull it out of. <laughs> you could just wear it all match. Just call it. Say it's a breathing aid. I tell you what, he needs to pull a performance out of there at some point, as well as. But a rather than snorkel. rather than <laughs> focusing on Arsenal, what's the stat? Failures. He has two, right? He has two this year, and one was in the first match. You stopped Eddie's segue. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it's not really a segue. It's just I think at times, right? Rather than focusing on Arsenal's failings, we've discussed it before. But I mean, Spurs are legitimate title challengers at this point now. Yeah, what's interesting about Spurs at the moment is that they're doing, they're winning in unmarino weights. They're actually winning with a lot of flair and a lot of really good counter-attacking football and attacking football. They're not Which, just soaking up pressure. No, 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 but they're not. Like, pretty, well, I think, I think soaked up pressure. And- sometimes. I think Mourinho's first stint at Chelsea, he, they played good attacking football. I think Mourinho sometimes gets, there's a little bit of people focusing on his more recent jobs and thinking, wow, he was negative. And so, well, he was negative with Inter Milan because they weren't that great. You've got to be. He was negative when he came back to Chelsea. They weren't great. He was negative at United. They weren't great. Like, to me, he's just a manager who knows, like, if you're not that talented, the best thing to do is shut up shop and try and deal with it from there. I think now he knows that with Spurs, he undoubtedly has the attacking players to be uh, dangerous against any opposition in Kane and Son and then Bale um, and then in addition to that, I mean, the real transformation within the Spurs size is Ndombele, who he's managed to transform into kind of the perfect Mourinho midfielder in roaming all over the park, protecting the back four, also transitioning into getting forward with the attacking team. And Ndombele, who was nearly sold, you know, was kind of rumored to be leaving Spurs to now be a vital cog in their team. It's a pretty big transformation in the past six months. What did they sign him for? It was a quite a lot of signing. money. He's, he's a yeah. record signing, I believe. I, I mean, if, 
okay, it's a transformation, but fundamentally as a record signing, it's not really a transformation. It's just more the player is now playing to his capability, right? With a manager that allows him to. I wouldn't really say. Yeah, but even when Mourinho came in, he wasn't uh, really figuring in Mourinho's plans. And clearly Mourinho has been able to get him to buy into the role that he needs to play. He's got fitter. There's no doubt about that. So he's managed to convince him to get into better shape, which isn't always easy with footballers, right? Traditionally, you would have thought with someone like Ndombele, if you're playing in the Premier League and you're kind of out of shape all the time, that's never going to change. It's very rare to see a footballer suddenly go from being the out of shape player on the team to being one of the fittest. It doesn't happen often. I think for me with Spurs, right, I've, I've said it for the last couple of podcasts, I, I want to see the Christmas period. Like I want to, because I looked at their schedule and they've got Liverpool away, they've got Leicester at home and they've got Wolves away. And I think, I'm not saying they've played bad teams and these are kind of real tests for them. They've absolutely spanked Man U, they spanked Arsenal, even though the score didn't uh, represent it at 2-0. But I think this will be interesting for them because it's kind of dotted with some other games as well. But fundamentally, I think if they can get through that and they don't lose or they don't put in bad performances or you don't see a change, then yeah, I can see them up there. But they're all up there. Leicester are up there. City are going to be up there. Man U, regardless of my my negativity around them, are still up there. Chelsea are up there. And this is that will be Spurs' problem, in my opinion, is that there are a lot of teams that I personally think are deeper and more experienced at that kind of run-in that are up there. I think that's why they won't win the league. But it doesn't mean that they're not contenders at the moment. But I'm going to yeah, I think they might win it, honestly. What are the odds? Five I'd to be one. interested to know. No. Five to one? Yeah. I assume it's Liverpool favourites, followed by probably City, then Chelsea. Um... No, I mean Spurs are third favorites. Liverpool joint City fav- Spurs. Joint favorites with Chelsea in some places, but um, generally ahead of ahead of Chelsea in the betting. But Liverpool are favorites. City just behind them, odds wise, and then then you have uh, Spurs and Chelsea, and then a pretty significant drop off to United. What we did miss out on though this weekend, something we didn't discuss. It was a big weekend for Frank. And it was a version of Frank that 2014 Frank probably would have bec- would have not been able to imagine in many ways, which was it was the birthday of his dog, <laughs> which he celebrated by putting it in a bow tie and buying it a birthday cake. What's happened to you, Frank? How close are we? How close is that? Is that pat phone from ringing for an intervention? Oh, I do that like every week, every year, every week. My word. <laughs> He gets a birthday cake every year. He's got about a dozen bow ties now. So, a dozen bow ties. Probably not a dozen. That's a little. That's just me being one for each occasion. Probably got about eight. Seven. Are they eight. real? Are they real bow ties? I don't know what that means. Do, you like, have do to I tie, tie them? Or... Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. What like kind of a wedding bow tie? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, like a legitimate bow tie that you tie. It's not a. Not a I've had to do that once, and that was for Abe's wedding. How'd that go? Um, I can't it wasn't it. bad. There was like a very good how-to tutorial that we all watched, and then we're able to mostly do it on our own. I couldn't do it now again if you asked me. I just get someone else to do it for me. Yeah, I mean that's gotta be. I feel like that's <laughs> that's gotta be a lost art. 
I can't imagine there are many men walking around right now who could just pick up. Really? Even in the hipster tie. era that we live in? I think you'd be surprised the number of people who could tie a bow tie. Ooh. What I about Windsor North for ties? Is it a Windsor that's the, the double yeah, Windsor? The double Windsor or even I like think, a double? I think the double Windsor, I think Windsor, double Windsor, I think they're fundamentally the same thing, I believe. Just I'm sure we got a listener who's probably upset, but I think sometimes people refer to a double Windsor. I think you can use it interchangeably. No, but there's two. Well, I know I know how to do two different knots on a normal tie. Well, no, there's a there's a million ways. No, to I know, it. but I'm saying I know the two most basic ones. Did, did you thought, ever? I thought used one to... is called a double Windsor and one's just called like a single Frank, Windsor. Frank, <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong Frank, now. Frank, in the U.S., did you ever used to do something called peanutting? Uh, <laughs> So what you do, I don't know any if you knew about this, but at school, obviously, when you wore a tie, you would go up to them and you would push it up like really hard. So the knot would just become so small that they weren't able to untie it. And it was called peanutting. And it was <laughs> it used to be. A I would say that's not a big thing in the States because not as many people wear ties to school because there's not as much boarding school, like proportion of people going to a, a private or a boarding school, I guess. Well, you know what they're you, called, right? Um, or is it any school a lot even none what americans would think of as private schools in the uk would still would still require that you wear a uniform with a tie i think, I think almost, of the in-betweeners i think almost all the in-betweeners is a good example UK, they, up till yeah 16. No, it's a public I think school it's up, till 16. Yeah. up till 16 i think it's basically shirt and tie at school yeah. i mean i wore a uniform to school in the u.s but it didn't include a tie you just wanted to wear it yeah, no, I mean, he was the only one who wore it. We had a school. We had a school. Wouldn't be a uniform then, would it? We had a school uniform, but uh, there was no tie involved. I only went to. Uh, I briefly went to a school for about eighteen months that required you wear a tie. University was the first time for me without a tie in education. Wow, really let loose. Oh, I went downhill from there. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Do you think wearing the tie to school helped? One of my history teachers used to say that the reason it was good that everyone wore the same was that he said that people's personalities shone through. Whereas obviously when people just wear whatever the hell they want, you, all you can see is the clothes. So you can't distinguish people that well. All you can, what a statement. All you can see is the clothes. I'm just like, who's this, who's this guy with the jeans on walking towards me? Look over there at that mini skirt. Well, it's just some sort of like pixelated oh, face. Oh, hey, Mr. Like... Purple. What's up with you? But don't some people say that their personality like shines through their fashion? <laughs> no, I think, look, I, having, having attended schools with both, um, Uniform, like non-uniform and uniform schools, I can see the advantages to both. Like the nice thing about going to a uniform school is that you don't have to think about what you're putting on in the morning. Everyone looks the same. No one can really get bullied for being like unfashionable or anything like that. Like you are leveling the playing field in terms of how you will physically appear. The downside is you're right. Like some people like to express themselves or you sometimes want to be now you'd have that like one or two days a year where you got to wear your own clothes. Oh, like the, je the jeans for jeans day was a big one. Oh, wait, you jeans for jeans. So it was a charity, like a fundraising day. So you'd give money. And then if you donated money that allowed you to wear jeans to school, which was being that money was going towards genetic research. So it was a jeans for wow, jeans. Wow, I like that. Yeah. 
What Science. did you just think it was jeans for jeans, as in like you bought in some jeans and got? Some yeah, jeans. no, I I thought it was you would <laughs> you would pitch in to buy people who like can't afford good clothing. You like buy them, yeah, clothes. which would have also been good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant kind of like because that would have that would have defined bullying at school, right? We're going to chip in for this poor kid at school who can't afford jeans. It's not at the same school. Maybe they buy it for a different, a different kid at different schools. You don't know. No, yeah, you, but what? You, are you, you buy, wheeling them out and telling them to say thank you for the jeans? You buy jeans for children with genetic disabilities. So it's, it's very... Yeah, it's it's very specific. And then you sometimes you save money because if they don't have both of their legs or something, you can get them jorts or you save <laughs> or, a denim, or a denim jacket. <laughs> yeah. But yes, we did celebrate his birthday. We got a cake. The cake, surprisingly, not very expensive. And this was a dog cake, like a cake that he actually yes. ate. No, like yeah. triple chocolate human no. yeah, just poisoned your poisoned your dog actually we, we just got like an ice cream cake we put it in the middle and then me chris and beans just fought over who could eat it <laughs> kind of a hunger game style. you joke but you're probably <laughs> not far off 10th birthday that's probably what happens if he makes it that far oh wow what a downer oh. <laughs> i just made a joke about kids with no legs and this was more that was a more depressing statement <laughs> or a veiled threat who knows so I guess the other topic that we kind of skipped over the past few weeks is all of this exhibition boxing that's kind of taken uh, over the boxing landscape. Surely yeah. it's ruining it. And interestingly enough, in a, in the, whilst there's actually high quality boxing going on at the same time, I mean, Anthony, Anthony Joshua fights this weekend, and yet the only thing that's going to get any coverage now is the fact that Floyd Mayweather is going to fight Logan Paul. Um, you know, it's just, to me, it's just, I don't understand who wants to watch celebrities box. I don't get it. I just I unless, unless there's some beef. Unless there's some beef there. If they're like, if they legitimately dislike each other and there's a feud. How strong would the beef? Who Give me an example of two celebrities you want to see fight each other. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. <laughs> okay, so you just want to see domestic abuse. <laughs> so you just want to see it in public, basically. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No. Um, uh, I don't know. It's a good question because I don't really know. But that's the point, right? Like, yeah. how severe would the beef have to well, be I'm for sure, it to become you, interesting? Here's the other issue is I'm sure there's a lot more on these social media platforms because people can be very critical of other people behind the internet and behind their phones. So I'm sure there is a lot of beef out there. Well, that's I don't follow it. For instance, I didn't even know who, I didn't even know who they were. You didn't know who the Paul brothers were? No, had no idea. That's pretty they, impressive. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Basically, they were just previous, weren't they previously like signed to Disney or something and then got let go and they used that fame to carry it on into YouTube, basically. They, yeah. they're, they're idiots. I mean, You'll have definitely heard of them. One of like Logan Paul got in trouble for the filming the suicide forest in Japan a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I that think was, I remember that. That was a big news story. Hey, and they're both from Ohio. <laughs> oh, so they're idiots. 
Oh, you didn't even do your stupid oh oh. <laughs> wait wait. Set you up. For Let's it. cut it out and retry it. <laughs> okay, they're both they're both from Ohio. Oh, Ohio. <laughs> I'm not gonna edit any of that, but <laughs> but the um yeah, I just don't get it. I mean, it was a really bad Jake Paul just knocking the shit out of uh, Nate Robinson in their last fight. Not a great look for a former professional athlete. I don't get why he agreed to the fight. It just seems like a physical mismatch in the first place. Like I think in their minds, some because the thing about the Paul brothers is they're actually clearly quite athletically talented. Like they're not, you know. I think some of these athletes who are not in the case of Mayweather, he's going to dismantle Logan Paul because he's one of the greatest boxers of all time. But in these other, like Nate Robinson, I think has probably convinced himself. I used to play in the NBA. This guy's a YouTuber. Of course, I'm going to be able to beat the shit out of him. And then it's like, well, no, but he's actually been focusing on boxing now for like two years. He's in pretty good shape. He's bigger than you, heavier than you, stronger than you. You're in trouble. Like you're going to have to be the significantly more gifted boxer to be able to beat him. Like your athletic ability is not going to matter here. The fact that you could jump over him is not going to help you in a boxing fight. (laughs) Uh, This all started though, because like Logan Paul and KSI. So KSI is like a British youtuber and they started giving each other shit about who would win in a fight and stuff like that and they made it happen now i'm less bothered about that i'm less bothered about a youtuber fighting a youtuber in a boxing format because that isn't ruining the credibility of boxing that's just two people wanting to fight in a boxing format whereas the, the mayweather scenario like i personally think this just ruins the credibility of boxing I don't know if it ruins, it's an exhibition fight, right? So it would ruin the credibility if actual like titles were being put on the line for this. Like if, 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 for example, if Anthony Joshua after this next fight was like, I'm not going to fight, you know, Dylan White or something like that. Instead, I'm going to fight Logan Paul. And if Logan Paul beats me, he becomes like WBO world champion that's going to be an issue but as the sad thing is we've discussed before right about mayweather potentially like may or may not be a billionaire he's not doing this if he's a billionaire he no, needs some money right yeah for sure i mean or maybe it's not so much that he needs the money but he looks at this and says i have to minimally train and i'm gonna make what oh. 10 20 million he's he's oh, gonna do the mayweather more. way of the mayweather way of winning is basically shuffle around a lot not actually yep. throw that many punches so ultimately his his boxing part of boxing is very minimal like, well yeah. yes and no i mean that's that's his gift right to maneuver around the ring stay just out of reach like that's a real skill and if he's if he's a little bit to me that would almost worry me because if you aren't sharp, if he doesn't take it seriously, if he's not quite up to speed, if he started to age and all of a sudden punches do start catching him, then he might be in trouble. Like you're not talking about a guy with not, you're not, I'm no, look, I'm, to be clear, I'm not saying that I think that Floyd Mayweather is going to lose. All I'm just saying is like, if Mike Tyson fought Logan Paul, I know that there would be no chance Mike Tyson loses. Because he's just going to go in like an animal and just absolutely beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Whereas with Floyd Mayweather, if he has got a step slower, if he is just like a little bit out of shape, if he isn't quite, you know, he's nearing 50 years old, right? Like if things just aren't working quite as well 
and you're fighting against a 30-year-old guy in good shape who can punch pretty hard, it's not like Mayweather is going to knock him out. Like, that's not going to happen. They're going to go the distance. It's going to be, can he put on a boxing clinic where he wins on points? That would kind of worry me. Like, if I'm Logan Paul, legitimately, we've kind of discussed this before, right, where I said, like, would you give yourself a chance in a ring? I'd give myself a chance against Floyd Mayweather because I would tell myself if I can just land one. Insane. I, th- I think I think you really... What's Mayweather's record? 50-0. And you think you could go around... I think... <laughs> no, no, look. Do I in my current... I think if I train seriously for the next six months to 12 months to fight him, and then I got in a ring with a 50-year-old Floyd Mayweather... I think I lose 99 times, but I think there is one instance in which I he there's a universe where he's a little bit slower, where his skills are not up to the speed that they used to be, and I catch him. And if I can catch him, then it's just let loose from then on. So you think, think you have a 1% chance of beating Floyd Weather? Is that what you're I, saying? If I had millions of dollars to train and prep for the fight, yeah. Whereas what's my chance of beating Anthony Joshua? 0%. What's my chances of beating Mike Tyson? Zero percent. Well, even now, Mike Tyson. Yeah, did you not see him fight the other day? I mean, it wasn't pretty, but he <laughs> at least he showed that his hand speed is still up there, and he is still an absolute animal in the ring. He would just knock me out in the in the in inside the first round, no doubt, and it would be incredibly painful for me. Who could eat more chicken wings, you or Mike Tyson? Is he famous for eating chicken? I mean, I know he takes care of take he takes care of pigeons. Does he does he eat a ton of chicken at the same time? <laughs> I I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Probably Mike Tyson. I mean, and you're right. Look, if you're Floyd Mayweather, maybe you're like you're thinking to yourself, who is this idiot offering me X million dollars to just embarrass him in the ring, to like go through the motions against him? This is gonna be so easy. Why wouldn't I take the 20, 30, 40 million I'm gonna make from this? Like, I'd be stupid to not do this, to essentially spar with some amateur boxer for a ton of money. Like, why wouldn't I do this? Yeah. yeah. Here's my thing. Here's my thing on it though. Like, I always think these things, especially at an exhibition format, can be easily rigged. I mean, all you say is right, give him three rounds and you get your money or you get your payout and stuff like that. I always find that with boxing. I just think it's actually quite easy to rig. You mean rig in the sense that, look, Floyd Mayweather's not going to knock him right out. He has weak hands. Like, he legitimately has weak hands, right? He's, he's broken his hands throughout his career. It's the reason why he doesn't have knockout power anymore. It's the reason why there's a difference between the Floyd Mayweather that fought Ricky Hatton and the Floyd, Weather, Floyd Mayweather oh, that fought... Oh, Ricky Hatton. Yeah, and Ricky the Floyd Hatton. Mayweather that fought Conor McGregor. Those are two different fighters. It's not just age. The hand weakness is a big part of it. So it's not like he's going to knock him out in there. It's going to be similar to the Conor McGregor fight in which, yeah, he'll take his time and maybe eventually he knocks him out because you'll just tire him out and then they'll just be able to hit, like land a couple of easy shots that that kind of do the damage and get a TKO. But it's not like they're going to step up to each other and Floyd Mayweather is just going to go toe-to-toe letting loose on Logan Paul. I just don't get it. They like, uh, yeah, Colin, uh, Conor McGregor, at least you can give a similarity in the sport, right? in terms of the environment and the fighting, but a YouTuber, I'd be pissed off if I was in the boxing world that that is all you need basically is money to fight Floyd Mayweather. Whereas a lot of people well, I, would have wanted that chance or opportunity. It just, it just stinks. I just don't like it, but. I think you're pissed if you're someone like Anthony Joshua, 
who has a big fight coming up and no one is talking about that, but everyone's talking about a YouTuber knocking out a former NBA player that no one really cared about. Either. Well, to be clear, they are talking about it in the UK. Like Anthony Joshua's fight is getting decent press. Okay. In the here. UK, I can say in the U S I, I, no, but I that's his name once. I will say that's always been the issue, like uh, with the boxing world, is that America thinks that boxing is like very U.S. centric, whereas fundamentally over the last twenty years, the heart of boxing has moved to Europe and elsewhere, and that Americans like it always frustrated me a little bit. For example, when you'd hear Americans talk about like the death of he great heavyweights because they're like, well, we don't have Mike Tyson anymore, we don't have a Vander Holyfield. It's like, yeah, but since then there have been great heavyweight fighters. They just haven't been American. So like the Klitschko brothers were great heavyweight champions who would have competed in any era. Now the downside was that they kind of ruined boxing by never fighting each other because they were brothers. Like that was the only issue with the Klitschko brothers. But there is this concept that is present in a lot of sports when Americans think about it, which is not an American, can't be that good. No one must be interested. Where it's like Anthony Joshua is selling 90,000 seats in Wembley to watch his fights, 100,000, 110,000. He's going to the Middle East and selling 100,000, you know, selling for his Ruiz match, rematch, 100,000 seats in, in Riyadh. Like, there's no shortage of interest in boxing. It's just Americans don't like it when it's not an American. Wasn't there a similar argument with tennis as well? When, like, the Agassi, Sampras, Roddick, when, when they kind of went in the men's game? I, I remember there being, like, a very, like, has tennis lost... Yes. edge and stuff like that and it's like no it's just gone european centric you know nadal federer and then later on djokovic murray just yeah. kind of had that but there was a um muhammad ali was in a exhibition match right against that japanese wrestler um so oh, yeah. there there is a precedent for you know very famous boxers kind of going outside of their comfort zone i guess so is There's, so is rocky against hulk hogan right Hey, hey, I think you'll find his vice president Hogan. <laughs> oh yeah, future vice president Hulk Hogan. <laughs> now, I mean, look. Here's the only thing that's interesting: how much will Mayweather spoil his legacy if he if he loses this? Like you're 50 oh, and 0. If he loses, if he loses, does he? Like he's obviously a complete sort of piece of shit as a human being i wouldn't want to classify i wouldn't want to classify oh, i'm so him. glad you put that mildly i wouldn't want to classify so him. no chance we get him on the podcast <laughs> oh i wouldn't want to classify him as the greatest boxer of all time just based on his personality alone that being said right he obviously has to go into the discussion of one of the greatest fighters of all time if you lose to a youtuber does that just go out the window yes i think so I mean, that's what he's really putting at stake, right? Is to just turn yourself into a laughing stock. Or he just goes out, does his methodical Mayweather fight and puts 20 million into his pocket and goes the, to the casino. And which is probably it. And here's the thing I kind of, I get why the Pauls are doing it the way they're doing it because they control it. They make the money from it, all of that stuff. It's their promotion companies. They're entirely behind the organization. So I understand this, but at a certain point, if you do want it to yourself, they are trying to challenge, you know, they challenge, obviously they're organizing this fight with Mayweather. They've challenged uh, Jake Paul, challenged McGregor after his fight against Nate Robinson. If part of your mind is to be taken seriously as a boxer, why didn't at some point you just fight in a professional 
yes fight yeah that's exactly i get you'll make less money but if you really if in their minds they think we're real boxers now then go fight a real fight Mm -hmm. i just saw the odds actually have you seen the odds have opened up for the pool Mayweather fight? What, okay, what do you think? Take... Like, just give, like, just give an idea. Ignore the time. Um, just two way, two way win. Doesn't matter about decision. So, or... so uh, Mayweather. I'm gonna say. Was... Go ahead, Eddie. I'll let you go first. May- Mayweather was, I think, one to twelve against McGregor. So, if he was one to twelve against McGregor, I'm gonna give him one to fifty against Logan Paul. I'm gonna say Logan Paul is seventy-five to one to win. No, that's outrageous. I, no, I mean, I mean, I hope you two don't work together on creating a book. <laughs> seventy-five to one in a two or three-way market is outrageous. No, I mean, I'll give Eddie. Eddie, I'll give Eddie his due. He so basically, he's opened up about one to fifty. Uh, Logan Paul's opened up at about fourteen to one. Yeah, that that seems fair. Like you say, the problem with boxing, well, well, whilst I disagree with it, fundamentally it is just one perfect punch and it could be all over. So they do have to account for that, right? I guess. So keeping it with sports, though, uh, Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks challenged both the no Paul brothers. Hockey. <laughs> <laughs> no hockey. No hockey. What's happened, Frank? Come on, I'll, I'll, I'll bite. What do you want? An NHL player has challenged the... Paul brothers to a fight who's like one of the biggest on ice fighters in the nhl so like a hockey fight or just a kind of no no to a boxing match he's challenged that either of them to a boxing match how big is he he's like six two two ten yeah so you have a size advantage at least over jake paul i think logan paul is actually a pretty big guy i think they're both six two i just had it up before yeah they're the, both uh Logan 6'2, 190, Jake Paul 6'1, 190. Okay. And Evander Kane 6'2, 210. I mean, here's the thing is I'm I'd like to think that he would win that fight, but these guys are seriously training for boxing at the moment. So there is a possibility that again you get in there and just even if you can punch harder and you're tougher overall as a person, that your boxing skills now maybe he has a boxing background. Maybe he, he did trains. train as a boxer when he was younger. Okay, so like a, teen- like a teenager okay. though, but yeah. probably not in a while. That would be my. But that's fear. a professional athlete at the top level, who also is one of the best fighters I mean, in his sport. Let's not get carried away too much here. Like Logan Paul did lose to KSI, and KSI had a little bit of boxing <laughs> training. But Logan Paul did have a bit of boxing. Uh, sorry, KSI did have some boxing training, but fundamentally is a 27-year-old gaming commentator. <laughs> no, you're, like, you are right and, there. And, and now he's going up against Floyd Mayweather, who, by the way, is 43, not 50. Okay, well, nearing 50. And Logan Come Paul, on. I think, is like 24, not closer 30. To 50 than, closer to 50 than I am. <laughs> you said it was 30 versus 50, but it's really like 43 versus 24. <laughs> okay, so fundamentally I was right in the age gap. Oh, I just added six or seven years to each of them. <laughs> He just made it extreme. Watch this 95-year-old frail man with glass hands take on a YouTube sensation. He does have glass hands. I, I just want to say this, by the way, about gaming commentators. Like, KSI's success comes from commentating on people playing games. Like, just for a moment, that just sounds insane for me. Yeah, it's remarkable. And obviously, we have our history of talking to gaming YouTubers. 
Um, but I do think the ability of KSI and some of that other group that he was in to become as big on YouTube as they oh, what, the side, the side men, the, the side, side men. Yeah. I think right, right place, right time, right? Like early YouTube and just able to establish like when there weren't that many people creating stuff around, uh, able to create something that if you just started out now doing FIFA commentary videos, I, you could become big. Don't get me wrong. I think you would become a really successful channel, but I think sort of turning a FIFA commentary channel and like unboxing ultimate team cards into becoming one of the biggest YouTubers in the world. I don't think that transformation can be done anymore. No, I, I find, I find YouTube incredible how you see these like, what a podcast yeah a couple of hundred downloads we're all pretty happy some guy opens a pack on ultimate team and gets oh, hold, on, hold, on, hold, views. hold on hold on hold on hold on a we're not happy with a couple hundred downloads <laughs> no, be, what i mean be, is you'll be there are youtubers out there joe rogan's not going to be happy with pulling in anything sub you know <laughs> whatever five hundred thousand <laughs> downloads for his episode so but the point is right someone opens a pack on fifa ultimate team or band ultimate team they get six 60,000 views and all they do is click a button and scream uh, and it's just like that that's content now apparently that's well that's the interesting I occasionally see some of the sidemen interviews I will say KSI at least he's like a pretty engaging person I actually find him I don't I find him a little bit immature he bothers me in that respect but he legitimately is good at kind of being on camera and being interesting some of the other sidemen who just got dragged along to fame with him you look at them on, there's one of them in particular who I sometimes, cause YouTube will just like recommend you random stuff and I'll just take a look at their videos. And I just think to myself, like how has this guy made millions and millions of pounds from doing something that he is clearly awful at. I also want to say if, if, if any, any like talking about celebrity beef leading to uh, boxing fights, if any, if any fellow podcasters out there want to start a beef with us, yeah, I'll get, I'll get into the ring. Joe Rogan, no, 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 I'll we come should, for you. We should do a like a WWE style like triple tag team. Oh. <laughs> I'm good, guys. <laughs> Joe Rogan, I won't do, I won't go MMA, but straight up boxing, I'll take you down. I've got at least a foot on you. Well, you won't take time. him down because that would be MMA. Yeah, you're a tiny little midget man, and I will knock you out. <laughs> Any other uh, interesting stories from the world of sport or elsewhere that caught your eye this this week? Um, Millwall's reaction to uh, people taking the knee. Oh, interesting, right? Because I talked about my uh, yeah. little venture into the Millwall message board and the vile responses that I found to Blackburn beating them. Frank, and did you hear about so um, first game back. So uh, I guess in a wider thing in the UK, they've allowed fans back into football games. I Why not? They got, of, the, they got the vaccine coming tomorrow. Throw them, actually, in the, throw them in there. All kind of sports, actually. So football's back. But obviously it's only in certain places where restrictions aren't that bad. But fundamentally... And to a, Millwall, and a maximum <laughs> of 4,000 people at yeah. an event. Millwall have, as such, been allowed some fans back in at the Den, which is where they play, and it's quite fitting. And um, I think they had 2,000 fans, and uh, what was it, QPR, did they play? 
it was they, they played QPR, and obviously a lot of people were uh, in support and showing solidarity with the Black Lives Matter, uh, whether it be the kind of open fist up in the air or on the knee. And the 2000 Millwall fans sought to quite loudly, I will say, for 2000 fans, boo. They booed it, basically. And I mean, no one in their right mind in the UK would... There, there isn't even that kind of debate, if that makes sense. It's come as such a surprise that fans would boo. Yeah. It came out, it came out of no I wouldn't say that but I wouldn't say that there was any sort of like rejection. I wouldn't say that there was any sort of like rejection or I don't like think I don't think football fans being racist is like I'm earth-shattering no, news. No, but I'm not saying that they're not racist. I'm just saying that there's never really been that kind of like contention about it. Everyone is fully supporting of people that want to do it, in my opinion. Okay, I'll take us off on a slightly controversial tangent here. I, the f- players taking a knee if they want to, or, you know, doing what, showing whatever um, uh, show of support for a cause that they feel is appropriate, all in favor of it. Don't mind. Do it. Do whatever. I have to say that the pre-match, so for context, like at kickoff, they all take a knee at the moment of kickoff and then they all get back up. The only question I slightly have in mind is, when is it going to stop? And I don't mean when is it going to stop as in it needs to stop, but fun, like, is this just the state of football in, like, in England from now on, the start of football matches begin with every player dropping to a knee for two seconds? It'll prop. I would say maybe it goes the whole season. And then once there's a long enough break for people to kind of not remember they were doing it almost, then the following wow. season, they, they'll just kind of come back and not do it. I love the white person response that you just gave to that. Like, oh, this no, I think, small societal I, I think that's issue. kind of true. <laughs> I, I think no, but- it's one of those things where, where it's like they've done it for a short period of time. If you then give a long break of two to three months of not playing, that they'll come back. And not that they won't realize they were doing it, but it'll kind of just be like they'll get back into just doing whatever they've been doing their, their whole career which is not kneeling because that's only been this season. How long has it been in the NFL since Kaepernick first did it? Oh, f- five, six years. I mean, it's but still going. Here's, right? here's, yeah, but, no, not, but, here, but not everyone's doing it. It's very Here's different. the difference, Sam. The, the key point I'm making is, if, and I'm not, saying, I, I'm not bothered by it, and I think in, it's in support of a good cause and raising awareness. I do find it mildly bizarre in some respects because it is heavily focused on the root cause of it, right, was heavily focused on treatment of the police brutality and racism in the U.S. And you are talking about a sport being played in the U.K. with very few American participants. So in that respect, it's a little bit odd to be continuing for long. Not that there isn't racism and police discrimination in the in the U.K. So it's not a cause that is, you know, not worthy for, for British people either. Um, I don't have any issue with if the players in the build-up to the match want to make some kind of gesture. To me, it's more that literally they blow the whistle to start the match and they all drop to a knee briefly and then get back up. Like it is an official process of the game. It's like a national anthem being played at this point. It's not a player making a statement. It is like, if you didn't do it, you would be, I don't know what would happen to you. You'd be singled out at least. I mean, yeah, Mike. Sam, do you Harry think that Kane... it goes on forever, Sam? Do you think like it's now I mean, part the, of the, the game? I, I guess it's, I'm, 
I guess as part of a societal movement, the logic would be that it stops when the reason they're doing it stops. Oh, which is never. Which that's is probably never. I mean, that's. I mean, but that that would be the that would be the intention. I like right. the, I like I like good news, boys. We've eliminated racism. We can stop. We can stop. Yeah. And I don't mean there to be facetious and like to live the like. Uh, but here's the other interesting. The only way I can see it continuing forever is that it gets used for a rotating list of causes, because that's the other interesting thing, right? Mm. Not that this cause, and I hate to be that person who's like, there are more worthwhile causes, so why aren't you? Because do like, doing any good is better than doing no good. But, but, <laughs> like, isn't there going to be a moment in time where it's like, okay, we focused like a pretty long period of time to police brutality in the U.S. fundamentally. Why don't we now talk about, I don't know. Uh, how we treat Syrian refugees? Like, why don't we move on to a new topic that is probably deserving? How of... would you? How would you show that? Um, <laughs> would you still take a knee? The eleven, the eleven players, the eleven <laughs> players at kickoff could just be washed onto the pitch, <laughs> just in pierced diggies. The annual ceremony of the proper diggies coming onto the pitch. <laughs> And then two or three of them don't make it. Oh, it's just a random set of footballers every time. You yeah. can imagine like a really important Liverpool Man City game, and it's like, oh, De Bruyne didn't make the Channel Crossing. That's going to be tough for City. <laughs> yeah, and it would make fans really properly appreciate how the strife of refugees. The lottery of it, you know, if you're going to be risking your life, probably there's a reason you're leaving that war exactly country. Exactly. I, I, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but no, you see what awful I mean, lot though, of like, production value going into it, right? Yes, yeah. It would be like gladiatorial, almost. You know, like back in the, with the Colosseum, you'd have to they'd adapt pitches so that they could flood them, and then as they as the water drained away, there would just be a handful of players just lying with their clothes shredded and soaked on the touch and then they go go on now play 90 minutes of football do your best god i have no idea what you would do if it was like about um homosexuality and football you know about trying to like oh be... i've got ideas <laughs> is I've it j shaped snorkels <laughs> six six of them take a knee at kickoff <laughs> oh i'm sure you'd be in for that but no, I mean, that's the only thing. And look, I'm all in favor. I'm, I have no problem if it never stops. I want to be clear. I've got no issue with it. It just, to me, the natural stopping point was the end of last season. And now that we've continued it, it's like, well, I don't know when it's going to stop. Well, I, that's see, true. I because, well, but, but the end of the season, the end of the season last year wasn't that long. Wasn't it only a few weeks? Well, they kind no, of have been playing. Good, it was a good 10 to 12 weeks. Through. I actually think a better way of doing it would be to continue it through the people that are going to continue the cause, if that makes sense. So there's a very well-known charity in the UK for football called Kick It Out. And that's basically about kicking out racism, literally any sort of um, um, prejudice or quite literally about race. I think it only focuses on racism. But the idea would be that maybe all clubs... Um, donate their sponsorship money to that charity and they wear the, you know, they wear the kick it out as their sponsor for the game or those kind of things. That would be a better way of continuing it. Like actually showing like the money going to 
you know, what they're doing to make sure that they represent the charities that actually do that groundwork. I think that would be a better way of continuing it. Like the knee is a statement fundamentally, but then kind of show the follow-up. Yeah, which look, Raheem Sterling, for example, has talked pretty extensively about the fact that the footballers need to show that it is just it is more than a gesture. And I think there have been quite a number of footballers who have done that. And obviously you have people putting, but for example, you have Marcus Rashford, obviously putting in a tremendous amount of work into school lunches. The Premier League could be spending time trying to support him in those efforts and maybe dedicating, if we think of this as sort of a moment of protest or demonstration before every Premier League match, then maybe you change what the cause is for a few weeks and say, okay, well, let's help Marcus Rashford out, who's one of our fellow professionals, professionals who's putting in a ton of effort. Why don't we like give him this platform now to see if this helps? The NFL does it, doesn't it, with um, breast cancer? They do the pink, don't they? Well, they just yeah. actually did it this week for the cleats, cause for cleats yeah. or cleats for cause, whatever it is where everyone yeah. can design their own cleats and all the proceeds go to whatever cause is being expressed on their cleats. See, I kind of yeah, like that idea. Like, it's pretty cool. I mean, they auction them off and they get a lot of money for them and they, they, they make a lot of money through it for something that's a pretty minimal thing and that all the players love because then they get to design their own cleats. And I'm sure that's really cool. I mean, I'd love to be able to sit down with someone for an hour and design my own cleat to wear. Well, you can when we, as part of our merch, we'll, we'll put that on the list of things that we'll want to sell. Would anyone well, actually want to buy Duke cursed cleats? Once me <laughs> and Patrick Mahomes become give them, best friends, give them to I can an enemy. His cleats. Oh, that would be horrific. Just the career ending injury that Patrick Mahomes suffers. <laughs> it would be like a combination of Alex Smith and Joe Burrow, just both knees just going. <laughs> Just, oh. In fact, I, I probably shouldn't even be talking about Patrick Mahomes. I don't want to ruin his career. Oh, that's true. We've dedicated quite a long time here to Frank. Oh, he's done if, next if, week. If Mahomes gets injured next week, we'll know where it came from. But I guess uh, we've talked about football, and I guess before we finish, maybe round it off with uh, tomorrow or today, probably when people are listening, you have um, the interesting matchup of Barcelona-Juventus, maybe not as sort of meaningful as it could have been given the situation in their Champions League group. But it does mean that it's Messi against Ronaldo for the first time in a couple of years, probably, depending on whether or not they get both play, which may not happen. Thought it interesting maybe just to take a second to look back at their careers and maybe do a comparison then of who we think is the better player, but maybe set the table here in terms of talking about their own achievements. So in Messi, he's played 744 club games. He scored 641 goals. Ronaldo has played 859 club games and scored 648 goals. So Messi has the definite edge there. The significant edge for Ronaldo is on the international scene where he's, he's played 168 times for Portugal and scored 102 goals whereas Messi has played 140 times for Argentina and only scored, I say only, 71 goals. So only one, one every two matches. Um, and then in terms of honors, Messi's won 10 domestic league titles, four Champions League, 14 domestic cups. And Ronaldo has won seven domestic league titles, five Champions Leagues, and eight domestic cups. They've each won, uh, Messi's won the Ballon d'Or six times, Ronaldo's won the Ballon d'Or five times. They've won 11 uh, out of the last 12 or something, right? Yeah. Combined. It's, it's apart from Modric, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah. Such a weird one. Um, but yeah, and then Golden Shoe, uh, Ronaldo's won four, Messi's won six. And they've both been selected for the FIFA Pro World 11 13 times in their career. So here's here's my like they've been my, in the team. Okay. Here's my question: Is there a stat, kind of like in football and kind of hockey as one too, where like important goals, if you see what I'm saying, where it's not you're not scoring a goal when your team's up four nothing, you know, and then you're putting in one or two more to make it six nothing, but a goal that either ties the match or puts you in front in the match. Do they have such a statistic for, for soccer, really? Not, not recorded, I wouldn't say. I mean, I'm sure someone has it. I will say that. Um, because that would be interesting to me is which one do you think is like more clutch? So I will say this. You can look at it. Uh, Messi has been 33% of his team goals. Uh, Ronaldo has been 34% of his team goals over the course of his career. Or like involved at some point, assist or yeah. or scoring itself. Here's my take on it before you two start on yours. What gives Ronaldo the edge is the international stage. I, I think that there is, I mean, Ronaldo won the Euros, right? And Argentina have perennially underachieved during Messi's time. Uh, I think Ronaldo does it at the world stage as well as the continental and club stage. So I'll give him that. Ronaldo's done it at more clubs, obviously. Messi's had one club. Um, Ronaldo's, he's done it at a season at Juventus. He did it at Man U when he kind of came onto the scene and then obviously did it for a long time at Madrid. The only thing, I'm actually going to go with Messi though over Ronaldo. The reason being is when I look back at the kind of Messi years with Barcelona, I completely characterize that Barcelona team as like one of the best teams that has that has been in European competition, just in terms of how dominant they were, the passing style, the, the, the complete dominance that they had over pretty much everyone at that time. Whereas when I look back at Ronaldo's Madrid as a team, I always saw them as second to Barcelona. And that's a perception. That's just my perception of living through those years because, you know, Madrid won back-to-back Champions had better, Leagues. Messi had a better set of team players around him, though, right? Yeah, of course. But the fact that he's still involved in 33% of them is still a mega contribution. And for me, that's kind of it. I mean, the, like I said, we grew up with these two, which has been an extremely kind of privileged scenario to be in, right? I just feel like I'm more, I have more memories of how good that Barca team were than the Madrid team. And I just feel like it was all down to Messi. But I don't know what you two think. I think fundamentally Messi is the better player. I don't agree with you in the sense that Barcelona's superiority in that era was solely down to Messi. I do think he had fundamentally more talented players around him throughout the length of his career up until the last couple of years. And in those last couple of years, Barcelona have kind of dropped off the face of the earth a little bit. I mean, they are seriously struggling struggling this year. And okay, Messi is getting older, but you'd have to say now Ronaldo is much better at keeping his teams competitive. I want to give Ronaldo the edge because I think he's the better team player. 
I think in what in it's shown in the way that he has had to adapt over the course of his career to playing in different styles and in different positions. I also think it was even shown to me, the epitome of the difference between them was the European, the Euros final in 2016 when Portugal won and Ronaldo came off and you saw his passion. He was just for crying Portugal. for like seven minutes, wasn't he? No, but just on the touchline, he was still fundamentally kicking every ball. Yeah. I mean, he was there. He was managing them more than their manager in that situation. And I think that everything about Messi, on the other hand, has been like, if it's not about me, I don't care. And on top of it, you you even see it. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, right, we discussed after their defeat to Atletico Madrid, sending a young player out to face the media instead of him going or someone else, a senior player from their team. I think that's the the kind of mentality he has. He's great when they're winning. And he wants to be part of it's like front and center then. But when things are going wrong or if he's not involved, he's not interested. Yeah, for me, I think Messi's a better scorer. Over, you know, maybe it's tough. I mean, I guess the, the statistics would say that. But then I was able to find in just the finals they've played. So any type of match that is some sort of final, whether it's, on the international stage, Champions League, uh, the League Cups, whatever. Messi's played in 34 and has 29 goals. And Ronaldo's played in 30 and has 19. So Messi has significantly contributed more in a finals matches than, than Ronaldo. And I always kind of pictured Ronaldo as being more clutch, just something about it. And it, it actually might just be the what Eddie's saying about how passionate he is and how excited he gets that you remember those times where he makes like a very clutch goal and just how excited he is in a way he celebrates and like rips his shirt off, you know, like those stick out in my mind, obviously, but I mean, they stick out in people's minds where he's just so passionate that you, you remember those times where he's so clutch, but I mean, at least this statistic, which isn't a phenomenal statistic because you could play, you know, Barca could play a cup final against a pretty shitty team that sneaks their way in for like the, whatever their one is Copa de Rey or whatever. Right. Yeah. You know, so, so, so that, that, that could be, you know, not the greatest one, but I did find that pretty interesting that he has 10 more goals and only four more matches. Um, versus I will Ronaldo. say fundamentally five, right? Because one of Ronaldo's final appearances will be that year, the euros with him being subbed off yeah. relatively early on. Yeah. So and Messi has 14 kind, assists versus two in those yeah, two. You, you could kind two. of take Ronaldo one final appearance off for Ronaldo. Um, yeah. I also think we spoke about in our last um, podcast about Muller referencing the, I mean, however he phrased it, can you do it in a windy night in Stoke? <laughs> I don't think Messi could. I fundamentally do not believe that Lionel Messi I'm not going to say he wouldn't have come to the Premier League and been bad, but he would have not had the dominance in the Premier League that he has had in La Liga. Whereas Ronaldo has shown that he can play anywhere. Yeah. I do like Sam's point about that. You know, he's, he's been in multiple different leagues and succeeded. Whereas Messi's just stuck himself in Barcelona, his whole career. I actually forgot the early days at Lisbon as well. Like, He's kind of torn it apart wherever he's been, Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, from from youth to kind of advanced age. Adaptability. 
Whereas and also, we've got to give him credit, right? One of the best physical transformations you're ever going to see from a footballer because early Ronaldo was yeah. not something good to look at. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Early what, 15? <laughs> no, no, no. Manchester United, Ronaldo. Go ahead right now, Frank, and just well, you can do your live reaction. Just look at Ronaldo in the first couple of years of his Manchester United career. It's not a pretty sight. Showing your age with how close you get into the screen. Yeah, he's definitely uh, much smaller. <laughs> it's not just that. He desperately needed the dental work that he got. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Big <laughs> set of chompers on him. <laughs> yeah. But, man. Oh, you're not even seeing. No, you're not quite even a looking chiseled at the, man. <laughs> you're not even looking. You're just showing us topless. You looked. I can't hold wait. On. For our listeners, he didn't look. He didn't Google like Manchester United, like Cristiano Ronaldo earlier. He didn't Manchester United, Ronaldo body. I thought that's what we were talking about. I don't even no. have that. Ronaldo, gay porn, dick pic. <laughs> You're not even incognito. There we go. You're not even incognito. It's hilarious. Is this like your university login? <laughs> What's the no. background? Is that Benzema behind this game? Can you click on that photo where it's Benzema naked behind them taking a tea? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like this one. Yeah, I do like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, but yeah, he's aged well, that's for sure. Yes. Messi's just looked pretty similar. He's just growing a bit of a beard. That's basically it. Who's got the better personality? Oh, I'd much rather spend time with Ronaldo. I don't I think I don't think Messi has really ever shown his personality. He's just a tax thief. <laughs> well, Ronaldo's a rapist. Oh a god, legend. we're gonna get sued. Shit. Alleged. alleged alleged racist whereas you'd much rather racist. hang out with ronaldo but we <laughs> covered <laughs> you just called him a racist i'm just really going out for him now <laughs> we covered this before with his instagram photos i think it depends a lot if he is pretty tongue-in-cheek with you know his instagram and if he is not that actually that full of himself because that could make for a terrible person to hang out with all right well talk to you guys later yeah see you here we are